0: Welcome to prayer Has online, happy new year to you, we hope that you've had a great Christmas break and that your new year has had a good start. Whether you are here for the first time or you've been here before, a special welcome to you. Uh, My name is Forchi and I am part of the team here in Prayer House in Weymouth. We are a church in the southwest of England and it's a privilege to be connecting with you online. In a few moments, we're going to be listening to Paul who shared with us on Sunday from the book of Philippians. So I hope you're excited and you're looking forward to it. But before we jump into that, I just want to say, we love hearing from you and we'd love to hear from you. The easiest way to do that would be on social media. So that's Facebook and Instagram, but you can also email us at prayerhouse.uk. That's prayerhouse.uk and we can get in touch with you. When, if this is a blessing to you, let us know because we like to celebrate along with you and praise God and give him glory for what he's doing. So let's pray as we hear from Paul. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity where we get to gather in your presence, online, connect with each other. Father, we pray that you would bless this word to us. Lord, that this will inspire us, this would encourage us, this would give us the hope that we need for this new year. And Lord, that this will be a blessing to us and our family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, So we're going to look in Philippians chapter 4 today.
1: And this is a really 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 good little piece for us to start the year with i thought i was thinking if jesus was like in our house and we said jesus what piece of good advice would you give us to start this year with what do you think he might say (laughs) do you think he would he might do sorry yeah, I thought he might say seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. I thought he might say that. But anyway, we're going to just look and see. This is the Apostle Paul here, good friend of Jesus. And he says some things. that I'm going to really hopefully make it simple and memorable. So th- to start with what he does in chapter 4, He says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So this is the Apostle Paul just pouring his heart out to these guys and saying, I love you. I want you to stand firm. You're my joy and my crown. Then he goes into a little bit of housekeeping. He says, I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche or Syntyche, or something like that, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored by my side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So he's saying, these dear ladies, they, they need to stop this squabble. Whatever's going on, get them to stop squabbling. Why do you think... Paul wants these two to stop squabbling. (laughs) Sorry? Because they are squabbling and it's it's not bringing glory to Jesus, is it? And he said, they're women who've labored by my side with me in the gospel. These are not just little kind of frivolous people who are on the periphery of the church. These are people who've walked with me, who know better. Basically, he's saying, come on, faithful friend, whoever he's writing to. I don't know if he's trying to recruit someone from the general audience who'll be listening to his letter or whether he's got someone in particular in mind, one of the leaders maybe. But he says, look, just help these two ladies just to agree. Has anyone ever been in an irreconcilable argument with a believer? Oh, yes, they do happen. That's why church splits happen. And Paul's saying, just get them to agree. And it's a choice, isn't it, in the end? We're going to agree to stop arguing at least. We're going to agree to get on. We might have different opinions about the color of the chairs, but let's leave that one at home. It doesn't matter in the scheme of things. So anyway, moving aside, let's move into uh, verse 4, because this is where I want to get to. He says, rejoice in the Lord how often. How often? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say. Let's do it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Again I will say. Right. So why is he saying it twice? Yeah, New York. New you. New York. So good they named it twice. It's because this is good advice. He's saying it twice. So. Rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice let your reasonableness or gentleness I like gentleness but this reasonableness is good let your gentleness or your reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything what can we be anxious about No, according to Paul, do not be anxious about even the gas bill, even the mortgage, even the business, even the children, even the grandchildren. They all had kids. They all had grandchildren. Well, some of them would have had grandchildren. They all probably had bills of some description. Paul is saying do not be anxious about anything but... He's got a solution in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. What's he saying? Let's break it down. I love to get hold of these bits of... Advice from the Apostle Paul and try and break them down and think, what does that mean to me? It's all very well having it written down in the Bible and we skim through it, and the more familiar we get with it, the more quickly we read it and we skim through it again and again and again. Go, oh, that's a really good. It's really good advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he saying? He's saying, as a way of life, rejoice in the Lord. So it's not just rejoice, but actually rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We could, I'm going to do a little thing in a second, so bear with me. We could sum that up as the word celebrate, could we? Maybe we could insert, the, let's just put the word celebrate there for a second. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And he talks about your attitude. So we've already got a an attitude of rejoicing. What we were doing this morning, we were praising God. Will we ever praise God too much? No. Can we ever praise Him too much? No. What are the angels doing today? What are the saints who've gone before us doing today? Praising Him. So He says, always rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness. Your gentleness be known to everyone. What does that mean? Let the values that you build your life on, like Mary was saying, one of them being gentleness or reasonableness, let that be visible. Some people say, I'm a very reasonable person. And you realize that having interacted with them, they're not very reasonable at all. In fact, they're obstinate, ignorant, and need a kick in the pants. <laughs> And yet they'll say, I'm a very reasonable man. You're like, "Ah!" has anyone had someone like that in their shop or in their business? And you're like, "Mm -mm." "Ah." yeah, yeah. If you have to preface the conversation with that, you probably are not reasonable at all. But he's saying, let it be visible. Let it be transparent that you are reasonable and gentle. Sometimes when we're feeling a bit fed up, like you odious, you and Syndicate were fed up with each other. I don't think they were being reasonable with each other anymore, or probably gentle. Because they've got fed up with each other, and we just go straight to nuclear when we meet rather than trying to build a bridge and have a relationship again. But actually, he's saying, no, listen, this needs to be visible reasonableness, gentleness. Why? Or in the context of, the Lord is at hand. What does that mean? If this microphone stand is at hand, it means I can reach it, doesn't it? If I keep my Bible at hand, it's where I can get it easily. The Lord is at hand means he's within reach. This is the context of how we live as men and women of God, as children of God. So he's saying the Lord is at hand. This is the context for this year. For 2024, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is watching over our reasonableness or our gentleness or absence of it. He's watching over those things. He's watching over you, Odia and Syntyche. Paul's saying the Lord is at hand. That should affect how we live. That should affect what channel we're watching on the TV if you still watch TV, it should affect what we're looking at on our phones. Surely, if someone, if we're on the train and we realize that someone can see over our shoulders what we're looking at on our phone, that might affect what we're looking at. If we think, hold on, wait a second, the Lord is looking over my shoulder. Surely, how much more? Just saying. Right, so he says, do not be anxious about anything. Right. I know. I know you guys. I know there's no anxious people here, but just supposing a little kind of sliver of anxiety was to creep in. Paul, do you think Paul was ever in a situation where he was under threat? Do you think he ever faced the threat of his life being taken away. Do you think when they were dropping rocks on him and leaving him for dead outside the city, he might have thought he could have been excused for being a little bit anxious, bearing in mind he was about to breathe his last. But he, this, this is the one who's saying it. If it's somebody who seems to have skimmed through life with no troubles at all, and they seem to kind of just have lovely holidays and a beautiful home and perfect kids and lovely teeth and everything else, and you kind of think, ah, I bet they never smell. I bet they're always wonderful. If they are saying this kind of thing, don't be anxious about anything, we don't want to hear it, do we? But when it's coming from someone like the Apostle Paul, who literally has lived this incredible life. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned to death nearly and left for dead. And he's actually saying, don't be anxious about anything. He has a perspective that trumps yours and mine, doesn't it? So when we go into a situation like Ukraine, we go in with confidence, not with recklessness, but with confidence in God. When we go into this new year, And we don't know if the money is going to stretch or whether we're going to get enough work to pay the bills or whether our job is going to make it to the end of the year, whether they're going to get funding for us this year or not. And I know some jobs are like that. What is our confidence in? Is our confidence in the Lord or is it in the boss or the funders or whatever? Yeah. And he says, so he says, do not be anxious about anything but. So it's not just don't be anxious. Don't think about pink elephants, pink elephants. You know, the minute you say don't think about something, you want to think about it. But he's got a solution. He says in everything, every situation we find ourselves by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. So even our praying comes in the context of, in the kind of atmosphere of saying thank you. So instead of it all being like, I need this, I need this, I need this, oh God, why don't you listen to me? It comes in the context of God, you're so good. You have provided for me this long, for 40 years, 50 years, for 20 years, years you've paid my mortgage i've still got xyz amount of payments to make i'm trusting that you're going to let me finish out this mortgage and get this house paid off and i'm not going to be homeless i'm trusting lord and we're we're kind of giving thanks as we pray so he's saying pray but give thanks to god along with it so by prayer and supplication what does supplication mean mike It's saying please, isn't it? I guess requesting, yeah. But do it within this context of Thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. So He's not saying don't be so don't be so celebratory that you never ask God. But in that context of celebration and Thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So you need a house, you pray for a house. Need a new car, you pay for a car. You need some clothes, pray for the clothes. Do you think God wants you to run around naked? No, not in this context. Yep, yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> and so he said so he's saying, in this context of celebration, giving thanks, rejoicing, let your prayers come to God as well. And what's his promise? Verse 7, what happens? And the, okay, let's do it better. And the of which all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Where does anxiety come? Where does it come? Pardon? Panic. No, where does it come? In your mind and then in your heart. It comes first in your mind and then it grips your heart, doesn't it? And sometimes people have anxiety attacks and they feel like they're having a heart attack. It's like a panic attack. It takes over their whole body. I've only ever had one once. I was in a swimming race in the sea and there was about 300 people all in the sea at the same time and I was within my depth and I suddenly forgot completely how to swim and I was just sitting there like... (laughs) I'm going to drown, and I was like, I had to tell myself, Paul, you have done this a hundred times. You know exactly how to swim. Just calm down. Doesn't matter if you don't win the race. You're not going to drown. You know how to do it, and I had to talk myself back in. But people, sometimes people have panic attacks just in the course of normal life, and maybe you've had one. And I'm not belittling them, but what I'm saying is, there, Paul the Apostle, the one who is qualified to write scripture and endorsed by the Holy Spirit and it's been preserved for 2,000 years. is saying these things. He's saying, this will happen. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, so every situation, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. And your minds in Christ Jesus will guard your hearts and your minds. I read someone had posted on social media saying that as a family, they had determined that they were going to praise God through every situation throughout the whole year. That's a big thing to say, isn't it, at the beginning of the year? It'd be interesting to see what they're saying at the end of the year, but that's the right approach, isn't it? Really, to be willing to say, whatever situation we find ourselves in, as a family, we start to go through some crisis. Let's just gather together and say, Lord, we want to thank you. To start with, before we do any praying, we're going to thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you that we're alive. Thank you that we had breakfast. Thank you that we have air to breathe. And start thinking about things you can be thankful for. And then say, and while we're on the subject, please, can we not get evicted tomorrow or whatever it is? So, and then he says, and the peace of God, and what, what is unusual about the peace of God, it surpasses all understanding. It doesn't need all the answers to work. The peace of God works when we don't have all the answers. That's what makes it unusual. Peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is some promise, isn't it? I'm hesitant to say, put your hand up if you would like to test it. But I guess that most of us will have an opportunity to put it to the test this year. I don't think that's prophetic. I just think it's likely That we'll find ourselves in a situation where we could become anxious about something. Yeah? I think it's possible. So we then have a choice, don't we? Um, um, Am I going to continue in the context of celebration to celebrate and give thanks to God and acknowledge his provision and his kindness and his faithfulness? One of my favorite ever, ever, ever hymns I've been singing since I was a child is great is your faithfulness. O oh God, my Father. And there, it's an old-fashioned hymn, but there's a line in there and it talks about strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. But then there's another line in there then it says, um, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. And if there's been one thing about my life that has been true it's his own dear presence has cheered and guided me through all of life's challenges i have had plenty of opportunity to feel anxious and those who you know know me well will know what those things are i've had plenty of opportunities but but paul is saying the peace of god that surpasses all understanding, It doesn't need to have everything mapped out exactly. That peace will come on you in spite of the circumstances you're in if you make this choice between be- being anxious and giving thanks and prayer and supplication and making my requests known to God. The peace of God is the key to breaking anxiety. If you're somebody who currently is struggling with anxiety attacks or panic attacks, or ang- people, we work with a number of people who talk about my anxiety, like their anxiety, like it's a thing, like it's their property. Like someone with arthritis might say, my arthritis. I don't like to talk like that. I think arthritis is an imposter. It doesn't belong in my body. I don't think anxiety belongs in my heart or my mind. It's not mine. If anxiety comes in, it's an imposter. I don't want it in my house. So we have got a choice. We And Paul is saying this really, really clearly. He's saying this is a choice, guys. And it's a choice for you and me in 2024, in this new year that's unfolding in front of us. Are we going to choose anxiety or are we going to say, somewhere in this, there's a promise for me. If I bring my request to God with thanksgiving, he will give me his peace somehow. And so that requires really a real courageous step of faith, I think. So the first word is celebrate. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, verse 8, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That also is good medicine for the soul. It's good medicine for the heart and mind If we're going to meditate, so we've got celebrate, now we've got meditate. If we're going to meditate on good things, finally, brothers, whatever is true. So Paul's not distancing himself. He's saying we're just brothers. I'm not this great guy, this huge, humongous, towering figure of history. I'm one of your brothers, and I'm saying, listen, brothers, we need to think about good stuff And I just want to say real clear, men, this is an uh, appeal to you to redeem the idle time of your mind, of my mind fill it with good things, productive things. Let's go through the list again. Whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So I'm going to say pornography is not in that list. I would say quite a lot of Xbox games are not in that list. In fact, is the Xbox sucking up all of your time that you have for good things I'm not saying they're bad Xboxes are bad or Playstation whatever it is we're on at the minute lost track but just ask the question alright how, how long I was in a little conversation with a dear friend the other day and they were talking about wanting to spend five hours on a game and their wife was like I was kind of thinking like one hour, but the guy is like five hours. You need five hours to do it properly. Five hours. Five hours. So meanwhile, what's his wife doing? I mean, they're married, they're together, they love each other deeply, passionately. Really, truly. But I I just don't understand it. Sorry, guys. If that's you, I'm really sorry if it's your little thing but I'm just saying, let's have a big think about the Xbox, the PlayStation, the phone, the twiddling, the doom scrolling. How many, ah, do you know what I mean? How many minutes is legitimate to spend scrolling through to see whether you got any likes or not? Ah. Do something useful. Go and mow an old lady's lawn. Or something, go and visit someone in hospital who hadn't had a visitor. I don't know, just if you need some ideas of what to do with your time, come and just give me a call. Send me a text, Paul I'm bored, can you give me something? Yes, you can come and paint the toilet at Chapel Hay. (laughs) I got so much to do, I'm never gonna get it done. If I live to be a thousand, it's not gonna get done. Do you want me to give you a list? I got books to write. I got places to go. I got people who need to hear about Jesus. I got people who could just do with a visit—just someone kind showing up through their door, with no strings attached, for nothing in particular, just because. Because they're important. Yeah. So you might have a movie to make, or uh, I don't know. Just think. I mean, like, Xbox? Really? Oh, sorry. I'm really, I just lost loads of friends in this room. I can tell. <laughs> Don't come to my house, Paul White, you judgy pastor. Okay, I'm just saying whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything, just some movies that we find ourselves watching, they're not excellent, are they? And they're not commendable, and they're not lovely. They're actually quite grind our soul into a place of misery and oh crikey I watched one oh my goodness I was watching one series with Anna and it was oh it was like a thriller murder thing you know and it's just I can just about cope with watching a murder thing but it was just so dark and miserable and depressing and oh And it was too near the mark for some of the things that we've lived through. And I just thought, this is not lovely or excellent, commendable. And if Jesus was watching it, which he probably was, thinking, why on earth, Paul, what are you doing? Anyway, so meditate. (laughs) Celebrate, meditate, finally. Number, verse 9. So think about these things. Verse 9. What I'm trying to do, if, if anyone's not clear, I'm trying to make disciples, okay? I'm not trying to make friends. Should I say that again? I'm trying to make disciples, not make friends. I would love you to be my friend. But in the end, I'd rather you were a disciple of Jesus. But If I upset you too much, you might run away. So I don't want that to happen either. Do you know what I mean? So it's this line really, isn't there, of... Ugh. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's something for a preacher to say, for a pastor, an apostle to say, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do these things, practice these things. What happens if you practice You get better, practice makes perfect, yeah? You get better at it, don't you? So I'm wondering what these guys had learned and received and heard and seen in the Apostle Paul. But it also made me think, I wonder what people have seen and heard and learned, seen in me. And it kind of makes me a bit nervous in a way. But on the other hand, I kind of think, right, what have you learned from me? What have you seen in me? We, thank you. Yeah, I'm not trying to get compliments, but thank you. No, I hope there's been something good, Karen. Thank you. I, do you know what I'd love people to see in me? I don't know if they do, but I, this is what, what I would love. I'd love people to see someone who is in love with Jesus. Who would give his life for Jesus in like that. Someone who loves his family. Someone who loves people. I'd like to be that person. And so, but what, the, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, imitate. In Hebrews 13, it says, imitate, consider your leaders and the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. It's okay to imitate people if they're doing a good job. When you become an apprentice for a chippy or a brickie or a plumber or something, you're supposed to imitate the master, aren't you? You're supposed to imitate the teacher. And actually, there are a few tradespeople I've seen at work, and I think, God, oh, I'd just love to be that good. Now, I know Dottie and Leon and Chris Morgan, people like that. They're just so good. I watch Richard with his pots, and it's like, how does he do that? And, and you kind of think, wow. To imi- but to imitate Richard. How many years you've been doing it, Richard? Fifty years. But to be with Richard and to imitate him, to be with him for a year, and Im- you'd pick up a lot, wouldn't you? But you would never, you wouldn't pick up fifty years of experience. But Paul's saying, learn from me. Learn from the stuff you've seen me do. I want you to do it. Imitate me. So we've got celebrate. I'm trying to make it memorable. So you're going to go home and go, oh, what were those three things? Celebrate, meditate, and imitate. So be an imitator of God. But, of course, that's our primary objective. But what you learned and received, and you've heard and seen in me, practice these things. So I don't know. If anybody has seen me worshiping in church, it's important. It's a priority for me. I don't know if anyone has seen me picking up my children or my grandchildren and involving them in worship. Why do I do that? Because it's important to me. It's a value that I hold dear in my heart. Why do, Why is that important to me? Because I want them to be a worshiper. Why do I want them to be a worshiper? because I want them to discover the joy of intimacy with God, that proximity with him that comes as we give our hearts. That's why I do what I do. It's not just helping them out with a bit of crowd control or toddler management. It's not just that, although that is important as well. It's because I'm trying to make a disciple out of a little wriggler, who wants to do a whole hundred other things. But I want him or her to become a disciple of Jesus. And so what you see in me, what you see in Fortunatus, what you see in Anna, what you see in other people who are leaders, what you see in Dottie and Louise, Pete and Mary, we see credible people. Let's imitate those things. Let's imitate that godliness and that passion that's in their hearts. So, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, obviously, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That is a promise that God himself, the one who brings that peace, is going to be with us. Isn't that amazing? That's me done. So why don't we stand and we'll just pray and ask God to help us. Just for clarification, if you heard me say I'm perfect, you were not hearing what I was actually trying to say. If you heard me saying forchi's perfect, you misheard me. What I'm just saying is imitate the good things that you see in those that God is called to lead. If you heard me say I never get anxious, also, that was... I didn't say that either. However, I'm on a journey. I'm aspiring. I'm imitating the Apostle Paul intentionally. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're here with us. Lord, thank you that you're here when we're being serious, when we're bantering, when we're having fun, and you are right in the midst of it all. Lord Jesus, you are the boss. You're the one we want to be like. You're the one we want to be with. You're the one we love. And Lord, I pray that you will just draw close to us now. Though we're not going to make New Year's resolutions and promises that we can't keep. But we are intentional about this. And we're really, really serious. We want to be your disciples every single day. And we want to make disciples of our children, the people around us at work, the people who don't know you. Lord, we want to disciple them by stealth. And, Lord, wait for you to catch up with them and overtake them and reveal yourself to them. So, God, this year, let it be a year of discipleship. Let it be a year where we grow. Grow numerically as a church, grow as a family, grow as individuals and be mature and be godly. Lord Jesus, help us, Lord, even if there's been some uncomfortable things today that we'll be able to handle those well. Incidentally, if anyone does want to talk about anything that's been raised today, do you find one of us who you think you can trust and just open your heart up and let's talk about it and pray about it. But Lord Jesus, And even in those conversations and those times of prayer, we ask you to be so present and to bring about those changes, Lord, that you're looking for us in us, looking for in us.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. Celebrate, meditate, and imitate. Easy to remember, and I hope that this has blessed you. Would you let us know if this has blessed you? We'd love to hear from you. And like I said earlier, use the social media and you can also email us at connect at uk. And if this has been a blessing to you, share it with your friends, share it on social media so this can actually impact other lives as well. God bless you and take care.